Welcome to Truth Behind Travel Podcast. I'm Dolores Semeraro, and this is my weekly show where tourism, travel, and hospitality industry professionals meet to discuss and share marketing strategies as they reshape the future of travel. If you want to learn the truth directly from the leaders and the doers of this industry, you are in the right place. Before you dive into today's episode, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast app. And while you're on it, go on and follow the show on Instagram and Facebook at Truth Behind Travel Podcast. Hello, everybody. Truth Behind Travel here. I'm your host, Dolores Semeraro. And today's episode is going to have you immersed in a whole different destination, a very special one, and certainly one that I hope to visit soon, Bhutan. Bhutan has recently reopened borders to international tourism after two and a half long years. And to welcome back what they called guests instead of tourists, they even rebranded the destination, a rebranding with a dual purpose, something of which we are going to explain more during our conversation. And also how they redesigned unique experiences highlighting the value of the Bhutanese people, the culture and the personality of this destination. My guest today is also going to explain the truth behind the increased entry fee to Bhutan, which they called SDF, Sustainable Development Fee, that now sits at about $200 per person. My guest today is not new to rebranding, particularly when it comes to upholding sustainability in tourism and hospitality. She previously worked as a guardian of the brand with the Soneva Group in the Maldives, pioneering many projects that are still, to this date, regarded as destinations case studies. Join me as I welcome Carissa Nima, Chief Marketing Officers at the Tourism Council of Bhutan to Truth Behind Travel. Welcome back to the show, and I am so pleased to have you, Carissa, on the podcast. Thank you so much for connecting from Bhutan. Welcome. Thank you. It's good to be here from sunny Timpu today. How is it? How is life in Bhutan these days? You've just reopened to tourism. You've relocated from, uh, I believe, Thailand and your previous yep. destination, Maldives. How does it feel to be there? It's been an adventure. Um, I've been here with my family for the past um, two months now. We did relocate um, from Thailand. So obviously going from one extreme to the other, it's um, in terms of temperature, it's dropping fairly quickly. It's it's quite cold at the moment. A couple of days ago, I was in the north in the highlands of Bhutan and there was kind of thick snow um, up there. And uh, so not only in terms of temperature, but, um, you know, in terms of culture and many other things, it's, it's quite different, but so far so good. It is, it is a big culture shift, culture shock. Um, but it's, um, it's very interesting. It's extremely beautiful. Um, every single direction I look, there's, there's mountains, um, there's, you know, just the most incredible lush, um, nature, um, people uh, amazing so it's it's been a really really nice um, experience I feel very fortunate to be here it's a destination that probably a, a challenge in in the tourism professions you know like regard like you, your role right now is 
chief marketing officer of the Tourism Council of Bhutan. So effectively guiding and, and steering the directions of the destination uh, moving forward. You've just reopened to tourism, to international tourism after two years, more than two years? More than two years. Yeah. And, yeah. and at, at, the, at the time like this, at the time like this when you don't just reopen to, to international tourism, but you also rebrand what the destination stands for, what do you want to communicate about, plus a brand new role with you at the head mm. of it. So there's a lot of mm. changes going on and it's a lot of um, things to, to take on board. How do you feel in your new role right now being there in Bhutan? Um, it's a real mixture of excitement and challenge and potential. Um, so I was brought in as the chief marketing officer of the Tourism Council to kind of help, as you mentioned, to help set the strategy and to get, to, to help relaunch Bhutan's um, tourism. And when the country reopened on September 23, um, it was the first time that, um, well, for, for more than two years that the country had tourists. And what was different about it was basically Bhutan launched a new tourism strategy. And this tourism strategy kind of revolved around changing the way people come and enjoy the country. So um, since so Bhutan actually opened for tourism in 1974, and at the time it, it always had this kind of policy, this, this tourism strategy of um, high value, low volume. And this is not about necessarily a monetary um, concept. It's about having people who kind of share the same values as Bhutan. And that's, you know, those values are respecting the environment, respecting the culture, um, kind of understanding the destination. So that that strategy hasn't changed. But what has changed is um, before there was, um, so there's always been something called a sustainable development fee, this SDF. Um, and, and since 1974, it was priced at $65 per day. And then on top of that, there was a daily fee, which was for kind of, you know, single independent travelers of another $40. So it was around $105 a day. But that was always packaged up into something called a, a minimum daily package rate. Um, and that was kind of at a minimum of $250. And that included your accommodation, your food, your driver, your guide. So it was kind of this a rate that people paid, but it was always the minimum. So, you know, the experience that guests got was always kind of on the lower side because that was the way people sold it, this minimum fee, it's $250. And that included your SDF and then it included different things. But now what, what's the, the new tourism strategy has just broken everything apart. So it's, you know, the SDF has been increased and I'll come on to that in a second. But now the new tourism strategy basically means that people can book everything directly if they want. So they can book their airlines directly, which they couldn't do before. They can book the hotels directly. They can book the guides directly. They can book everything directly. But if they want, and as a tourism board, we obviously recommend people do um, work with the travel partners as well. They can also book through the travel partner who can then also kind of recommend the best hotels, the best guides, the best experience and the best itinerary for them. So that's changed. Um, and that was a really big change for the industry, as you can imagine, because, um, you know, the industry here was used to having everything kind of going through them. And now people can do it all separately. So it was a fairly huge shift for the industry. Um, <clears throat> coming on to the SDF. So um, it's been fairly well publicized that um, since September, Bhutan has increased its SDF fee. 
um, from this $65 to $200 per person per day. But as I mentioned, it was actually $105 because it was $65 plus the daily single fee, single traveler fee of $40. So it's basically been doubled. Now, this is the first time that it's been increased since it was introduced. And that was many, many, many years ago. Um, what this money is for is basically to, um, it goes into a, a, a fund, like a pot, um, and this money is used towards improving and upgrading the country. So, for instance, um, it goes towards free healthcare, it goes towards free education, uh, it goes towards um, upskilling the guides in the industry. It goes towards um, cleaning the trails and building more roads. And it everything goes towards improving the community. So, for instance, um, community preservation, um, infrastructure upgrades. I like to think of it as something like a pay-it-forward concept. So, yes, you pay the money today, but it means that tomorrow the person who comes as a guest to Bhutan gets an even better experience. And it's just going to get better and better. It's like a what you call it, a virtuous circle. So the money just yes. kind of continuously improves and improves and improves. And I, I feel like um, I know that for, um, you know, it's a lot of money. Um, absolutely it is. But I also feel that you're contributing to the protection and the preservation of, of a really, you know, of, of a beautiful country, a beautiful culture. Um, and Bhutan as a destination just cannot handle um, too many people. You know, the infrastructure is not there. It's a tiny country. So I think that as a strategy, it's actually clever. Um, I think it naturally kind of keeps the visitor numbers quite low um, and it ensures that the people who come are kind of, they really want to come. They really want to be here. And the money that they're you know spending is going towards a really good um, good cause. So my job, is, you know, one of, one of my responsibilities is to make sure that, that um, how that money is spent is really clearly communicated um, to people so that, you know, nobody thinks that that money is being misallocated or mis misappropriated. That it, it's, you know, I want to provide kind of quarterly updates as to how much of that, you know, where exactly how much we've received and where it's been allocated, so that people can feel com comfortable and confident that, you know, that their money is helping to improve Bhutan. This is one of the biggest challenges <laughs> nowadays when it when uh, the reporting of what that you know specific amount that investment that fee that is required or or encouraged in, in this case it's a requirement for the destination for the tourism to come in um the reporting then of of what has been done you know we've got to make that sexy again and we got to make that you know a talking point because in many cases that's exactly where destinations fail they fail to report on the achievement of the of that kind of money you said that the, the 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 way tourism has reopened for Bhutan has has changed, and uh, that drastically, I think, fundamentally, is because you can now approach Bhutan as a single traveler, uh, and you are completely in control of where do you want to go, what do you want to book. You can go online, basically accessing the destinations, sightseeing, and 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 highlights as any other destinations in the world. Um, as opposed to before, as I remember growing up, looking at destinations like Bhutan, oh, you can't, you you can only go to Bhutan in a group. That's what we heard, you know, from yeah. the past. And you got that sort of mystique around the destination yeah. that it's yeah. so expensive, and and you had that perception. Oh my God, yeah, Bhutan is expensive. It's expensive mm -hmm. to go there. Yeah. Very little 
of that mystique was communicated and was sort of like you know explained through mm-hmm. around the values of the destination as you said high values of people sharing mm-hmm. the, the common values so if you if we have common values then you are the tourist i want to have in my mm-hmm. destination right exactly right. and today that communication so that tipping point has changed so we don't mm-hmm. we don't really create mystique around the fact that you are a comp, um a, a, it's not being expensive that be, that becomes appealing to a certain type of of tourism but it's becoming uh, and it's proving not becoming because you already are you didn't become but um it's it's proving to be authentic yeah right so that authenticity is now integrated into the communication strategy after the rebranding of bhutan so much so that you call yeah. it bhutan believe and that's right at the point where tourism needs to believe that there is a purpose <laughs> to it right it's not just about spending money and um how how is that communication flow unfolding right now for you where where are you finding most most of of the challenges or because i know that a lot of people are looking at it and they they're thinking how on earth they do that and then you, know, <laughs> you are here to sort of like spill the beans oh that's a good question there's so many layers and there's so many things i want to talk about um <laughs> what you were just saying so i would start let, let's start by just saying that um let's talk about the uh, the new brand for a minute and then I'll come on to some of the other things that you've mentioned. So yes you're right. Um when when Bhutan reopened um on September 23 it was not only a kind of a country reopening its borders it was also the unveiling of a new national brand. Um and what was interesting was that when that project started it was only it was meant to be a new tourism brand. Um Bhutan always had for many many years a, a tagline happiness is a place. Um, but when the agency that w- was invited to kind of come up with the new tourism brand, um, it was fairly quickly realized that tourism can't operate independently on a national level. It has to be a driver of other departments, um, especially in a destination like Bhutan, when tourism has so much potential. So then quickly um, the kind of remit was expanded to move from a tourism brand to a national brand. So after I think the whole project lasted maybe four or five months um and the tagline of believe was um was finalized and there were two two audiences for this um new tagline so there was an internal audience um and this is about kind of getting Bhutanese people to believe in their future to believe in their op- opportunities to believe in the potential there is a I'm not sure if you know but there there's a bit of a a challenge with um especially young Bhutanese people there's a huge population of young people here I think they say 60% of the population is under 25 um and and what's happening is sadly a lot of them are immigrating out to places like Australia especially so it's you know a very modern day brain drain they're going to university over there and some of them come back some of them don't so i think this this tagline is meant to kind of encapsulate believe in in the country's future believe in what what can happen here um as a way to kind of really and and on top you know as part of this this brand it's about creating programs that give young people opportunities so creating educational opportunities creating job opportunities um so that that 
is one of the kind of key audiences of this tagline. Obviously, the, the second one is the external audience. So that's for the kind of tourists. Um, so as part of the new brand, we, we decided not to call people tourists who come to Bhutan. They're guests. So we don't we don't want this kind of mass tourism approach. It's guests who come to Bhutan. So the second audience is, is the, um, the guests. And that's about kind of believing in the potential. So Bhutan's always march to the beat of its own drum it's always tried to do things differently so it's about proving that that you know tourism can be done differently it can be done better sustainability as the kind of central pillar of tourism can work can be effective um the sdf is is a kind of proof of that um and it's about you know there's obviously a small spiritual connotation um to the word believe that was definitely not um the kind of central or main um driver of this but, you know, people come to Bhutan for many different reasons. Um, for many people, it's about transformation, about finding themselves, about believing in, in themselves or believing in kind of, you know, the possibilities of, of what they're trying to search for. So we felt that Believe as a, as a tagline kind of summed up nicely um, the potential of, of tourism both internally and for an external audience. So that's a kind of national... Um, brand as part of that there's been the development of some really beautiful um, artwork you know very colorful very visual very creative um, you can see what if you look at them they're on our website we really wanted them to appeal to a younger audience so they're you know really bright colors there's lots of like traditional motifs that have been redrawn in a very modern young way um, so the agency that worked on that did a really fabulous job um, Moving on to some of the other things you mentioned about this mysticism. So Bhutan's always been associated with, with mysticism. And I think um, as part of the marketing strategy, we don't want Bhutan to be this destination that's kind of splashed across every everywhere in the world, every social media channel. So we're going to be very, very selective and careful about how we promote our brand and who we invite to to come out and how do we actually position it so um you know i i, I know in the tourism um industry um you know influencers are you either love them or you hate them or but they you know generally they they do a great job at promoting a destination promoting a brand um but and obviously we will also work with with influencers but we need to be very very careful and selective about who we work with because we want people that reflect Bhutan's values and who will attract the right kind of people. You know, this conscious traveler that I spoke about earlier. Um, the idea is to keep some of this, this um, mysticism and, and the mystery around Bhutan. Um, the, the other point you mentioned was how it, it's always been kind of perceived as an expensive destination. I would challenge that. Um, the reason being there is the SDF, which is a lot of money, I agree. But once you're in the country, there's so much value to be had here. It's really not, um, it's not an expensive destination. So there's a lot of different itineraries that can match every budget. So obviously there's the high-end properties, the five stars, um, and they, they're obviously, you know, at the higher end of the price point. But just last week, um, I was staying in a homestay in the north of the country. It was a beautiful homestay. Um, you know, lovely people, lovely food, clean, warm, comfortable, uh, interesting. And that was $12 a night. <clears throat> you know, a meal here in town in in, in Timpu is $10 for a really nice meal. Um, taxis around town are $3. So when you're in the country, 
the costs are minimal because it is a great value destination. But the obviously the SDF is is a barrier. But once you get past that, it's not an expensive holiday. There, there's a lot of different itineraries that could be created based on on different budgets. Do you think the country is ready from a from a infrastructure and from a, a supply point of view to to cater for those individual travelers as opposed to yeah. groups? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's more equipped to cater to individual travelers rather than groups. Um, the infrastructure here is very small. It's fairly limited. Um, they, you can move around by yourself. However, it's recommended, especially if you're going hiking or if you're in nature, to have a guide because the wildlife here is is amazing and varied and exotic, but also you know, it's better to have someone who knows what they're doing with you in case you come across some wildlife that you're not familiar with. There's a lot of big mammals here. Um, but no, definitely you can, um, you can, it's absolutely, the infrastructure can absolutely handle um, individual travelers, but I think it's, it's better to um, kind of, you know, know where you're going or have someone here who knows what they're doing um, to help you. Although it's not, it's not, it's not essential. So if you, you know, if you, if you prefer to come to Paro or Timpu and spend a few days in a beautiful hotel and roam around and go do some shopping and have some amazing food, then that's by all means extremely possible and easy to do. And all as part of the kind of um, new brand launch, um, as you alluded to, it was always so hard to get information about Bhutan because everything was through the, the, the tour partner was not very forthcoming. So um, that's all changed. So on the new website now, we've got a very extensive kind of FAQ section where it outlines every single question. So we really want to make it easy for people to find the information that they're looking for. You know, on the website, you can get your visa, you can pay for your SDF. It takes a couple of days. It's super straightforward. Um, so it, it, we're trying to just make it now as easy as possible for people to to find what they need and book and come come to Bhutan. In societies like Bhutan, where it's almost like we were we were smiling before before the recording, you and I know we, we defined Bhutan as a landlocked island, uh, mm-hmm. sort of like this islander uh, mentality that is inbuilt. And I and you and I lived on islands, so we know exactly what it means when it works, not just working with a different culture uh, as, a, as, a, as a woman and as a foreigner. Uh, but also living with people that are very, very proud of their land, you know, they're, where they're from. And there's yeah. so much responsibility that comes with that role because, you you know, you come in as a, a foreign professional <laughs> in the tourism industry, supporting their vision, their strategy yes. moving forward. And today, more than ever, everything around tourism strategy uh, somehow rotates uh, at different levels around sustainability and how a destination puts that foundation in place so that we don't spoil um, what you know the, the the resources and the and the and the possibilities and the opportunities for the future generations. And in Bhutan, okay, the the entry fee, the sustainable development fee, helps and is directed towards that primarily. Right. And many of the activities are not just related to the environment, but they are related to no. the social uh, aspects of, of life in Bhutan. Where do you think sustainability today in Bhutan has its biggest challenge? It, purely environmental sustainability. Um, the constitution here mandates that 65% of the country remains under forest cover. 
So, which is fantastic. But, you know, Bhutan's lucky because its constitution was drafted only about 15 years ago. And what it did was it learnt from the constitutions of many other countries and it kind of got the, it got to choose the best bits of them. So I think as a constitution, it, it's, it's very strong because it's, you know, it's recent, it's new. So, for instance, you know, it, mandating that um, the forest cover in the constitution, I think is brilliant because it removes the, it removes any chance of future kind of governmental businesses or individuals destroying um, or taking advantage of Bhutan's resources. Um, so that, you know, in, on, on that sense, it's very strong. I would say in terms of a challenge, it's just modernization. Um, and for instance, you know, single use plastic. So technically it was, um, they're, they're banned. Um, it was banned, I think in, uh, 2009, something somewhere around that time. But, um, because of its status as a landlocked island, <laughs> It's hard to get things here. You know, the you know, the supply chains are long, it's expensive, it's mountainous. Um, so therefore, you know, you still find a lot of um Wrapping, a lot of plastic. Yeah, you, you find them. And the alternatives are expensive and the alternatives are hard to get here, they're hard to make here. Um, just like when when I was in the Maldives, we had a massive problem with with waste management. Um, I feel that that just like you know, land, and as I said, as you said, a landlocked island, it's the same. Waste management is an issue. So I think Bhutan, as a as a destination, does it really does a lot more than many, many, many other countries when it comes to sustainability, when it comes to conservation, when it comes to kind of punching above its weight in that whole area. But you know, still, like any country, there are there are challenges, uh, and that would be two of them. But it it really. Um, it not only tries to protect and preserve its environment, it also tries to raise awareness. And that's because it is um, it, it, it is on the receiving end of, of climate, um, climate issues. So, for instance, you know, glacial glaciers here are, are melting. And as a result, you know, fairly every few years there's, there's a massive, um, you know, flash flood that kills people. There, there's landslides. I mean, I, when I've, I was just driving around the country um, a few days ago, it's very, very, very visible. Um, we had a couple of, uh, a couple of, last week we had the, the snowman race where we had 30 kind of international athletes here um, doing an ultra marathon. So it was, it was basically the equivalent of a marathon every single day for five days at um, you know extremely high altitudes, around four thousand five hundred meters on average. Um, so these are some of the world's best ultramarathon um, runners. And the whole objective of this race is to raise awareness of climate change because the locations where they were running their races were um, you know severely impacted. So yes, as a destination, it does a lot, but it has to because it's the one that's also. You know, on the receiving end, uh, the, the climate is changing. There's a lot of these freak kind of um, accidents that really affect people here. And there's more coming up, right? More events that you are bringing on a pipeline. Uh, the, yeah. You just completed the, the marathon uh, event. And what, what, what's next for Bhutan that we will hear of? Mm. 
So there's actually, Bhutan is famous for festivals. Um, so believe it or not, there's around 153 festivals every year in Bhutan. <laughs> so huge amounts going on. That's across the whole country. Um, some are obviously much bigger than others. Uh, we've just finished the Highland Festival, and that was the celebration of all the unique culture and people and lifestyle of people in the Highlands, which is kind of um, Laya, Lunana, the really high, high areas of, of the country. And that's, you know, they're, they're the yak herders and the people who, um, they're, they're cordyceps farmers um, and very interesting community and very interesting culture. So I, I think as an experience for anyone looking to come to Bhutan, the Highland Festival is just so unique. I've never seen or heard anything like this before. That's a two-day festival. It's every October. Um, February is a big festival month. Um that's the kind of big festivals in, in the big cities. Um, soon, in the next few weeks, there are uh, the black neck cranes arriving and they are migratory birds that come from Tibet to Bhutan and you find them in places like Gangti and um, a couple of hours drive outside of Timphu. So that's always a good thing to see for nature lovers. Um, you might have also heard that we've recently opened the um, Trans-Bhutan Trail so this was a big trail that went from it's kind of 400 kilometers across across the country and it was um lost so this is how people used to get around the country before roads came which is you know not that long ago so once roads were established here then the trail fell into disrepair um so now the trail's been kind of re revived and cleaned and now it's a beautiful hiking destination um around that country so that's now open kind of year-wide um, but as a as a tourism board, what we want to do is really focus on the guest experience. So we want to help make sure that when guests come to the country, they have, you know, a wonderful experience. So we want to make sure that the itineraries are interesting and varied. People are not just going to the same kind of things, you know, Tiger's Nest and, and Timber and Perry. We want to create like interesting itineraries around the country for them and find these hidden gems um, of things that people can do based on their interests. So you know, together with my colleagues, we plan to, um, you know, explore different destinations and help curate um, interesting guest experiences for people. We also want to focus a lot more on the kind of culinary side of, of Bhutan. Um, so the food here is really good. It's much better than I, <laughs> I don't know what my expectations were, but they it's just they definitely surpassed them. So um, the food here is fantastic. It's very fresh. A lot of it, most of it's organic. Um, the footprint, you know, the carbon footprint is very low. Um, it's local, it's seasonal. So what I want to do is work with um, the Bhutanese chefs and also foreign chefs to kind of create interesting culinary experiences and then also help to promote Bhutanese food internationally as well. So um, that's short term, um, some of the kind of projects that we're working, in, working on, uh, but the big one is just making sure that the itineraries here are kind of new and interesting and we help promote you know, local um, artists and designers. The, the fashion here is fantastic. I mean, when you're here, most people wear the traditional outfit. Um, so for a man, it's called a go, and for a lady, it's called a kira. Um, they're beautiful, and the, the textiles here are just phenomenal. They're all made from, you know, a lot of them from silk, from local um, cotton, um, handmade, colourful. I mean, Bhutan loves colour. So the outfits are just yeah. so colourful and beautiful. So I'd really love to kind of create some new guest experiences around these kind of cultures that they have that already exist. It's just about promoting them better. 
Yes, I've actually as a personal for I'm I'm a follower of a Facebook page since years that's called Bhutan Street Fashion. I, oh, don't ask me that's... don't ask me how I ended up on that page, <laughs> but over time it kind of grew on me. And then yeah. this this young group of people are basically twisting and reinterpreting Bhutan fashion. Uh, right. a mix of uh, a traditional colors and shapes and lines together with uh you know the, the the trends of the moment and i love i love that i love that creativity that's right so i've actually met with um with the guy who runs that his name is larry um a bhutanese guy and he's also a designer and he runs um walking tours so you can now you can book a tour with him when he's going to take you around the different textile shops and tell you about the history of all the different textiles the colors because for each occasion a different go or kira should be worn and he can explain all of that he can you know introduce you to weavers he can just tell you so much about the, um, the fashion here and that's the kind of you know unique experience that we really want to highlight that's the value you were mentioning right that's, that's the value that, that value not not value like monetary value but but yeah but experiential value and i think this is the key that that stands at the pinnacle you know really at the head of everything that now speaks the word bhutan it's not economical or financial value is not money we're talking about it's experiential value and a lot of destinations today are struggling to bring back that value because their offers their supply is it's so uh, standardized and there is nothing in bhutan calls for standards there is no yeah, standardized is no. everything is so unique boutique yeah. special yes. and and its own character well i you you completely got me into it i hope to 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 be able to visit soon or, or at least in the in the near future so i invite you to come back 6 months 8 months <laughs> 10 months down the line yeah and, sure. and you know and and uh, and let's draw a line let's let's see let's summarize what are the results and uh, and what are the the achievement which i'm sure will be will be something that we we all can learn from Thank yeah, you so much Carissa. This was a fantastic Pleasure. opportunity. Um I'm so jealous of you being here. Okay, no, not jealous, but um <laughs> I'm uh, you know, I imagine you there knowing, you know, how much of island uh person you are. Uh so <laughs> yeah. I wish you all the best in that role. Thank you. Uh, Thank you so you much Dolores. Mm-hmm. Thank you. It's been great talking to you. I am sitting here wrapped in a blanket uh <laughs> dreaming of the sunny island days but i look forward to coming back and it would be really interesting for both of us to chat this through again um we'll do. We'll do. and just see, see what's going on yeah thank you so much and uh, all the best thank you for being here today and joining me for this episode with carissa nima chief marketing officer at the tourism council of bhutan before you go take a moment to share this very episode across your community of friends and colleagues if you feel that they could also be interested and they could learn or get inspired by the work of Carissa in Bhutan. So how do you share this episode, you might ask? You can do so directly from the share button on your podcast platform where you're listening to the podcast today or head over to Truth Behind Travel Podcast Instagram account or Facebook page. And may I just remind you to tag Truth Behind Travel Podcast so that I can get to know you too. See you soon for another episode. Same place, same host. 
Bye for now and take care.